This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everyone, this is Sean Daly with Green Talk Radio. Welcome to today's program. We're going to be talking today about attachment parenting. One of the most fundamental, important, and often stressful decisions that we make in our adult lives is regarding parenting, and specifically, how to parent. What's the right way? What's the wrong way? How will I not screw my children up later on? Questions like this are fundamental and important. The attachment parenting theory is revolved around a phrase that was coined first by pediatrician William Sears, which is attachment parenting itself, and that's a parenting philosophy based on the principles of the attachment theory in developmental psychology. According to that theory... A strong emotional bond with parents during childhood, known as a secure attachment, is a precursor of secure empathic relationships in adulthood. At least that's how the theory goes. It states that the infant has a tendency to seek closeness to another person and feel secure when that person is present. My guests today to talk about this topic are Barbara Nicholson and Lisa Parker, co-founders of Attachment Parenting International, an education and support organization for parents and professionals. API, whose website can be found at attachmentparenting.org helps parents with every aspect of child-rearing from preconception through the teen years by providing the latest information and research on parenting practices that strengthen parent-child relationships and families. API began in 1994 with their principal goal being to heighten global awareness of the profound significance of secure attachment and to help reduce and ultimately prevent emotional and physical mistreatment of children, addiction, crime, behavioral disorders, mental illness, and other outcomes of early unhealthy attachment. They believe that the best way to change society is to empower, support, and educate parents to create a loving, connected family environment. So first of all, Barbara and Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you. So I think the first question that we should start off with is, what exactly is attachment parenting? And Barbara, I'm going to direct it to you. Well, attachment parenting is a philosophy of parenting that's really been around uh, since, you know, <laughs> the beginning of time. It's really about parents listening to their heart, listening to their intuition, and responding to their children in a sensitive way that creates a, a strong connection based on trust. So it's um, a loving, patient, uh, empathic type of parenting. What is the alternative to attachment parenting? I mean, I know that there's the sort of the cry, like cry it out gets a lot of uh, airplay. So Absolutely. It, how, how do you encompass that? That would probably be the antithesis, you know, of being unconnected to your children would be the philosophy of letting them cry for long periods of time, um, strict scheduling of children, their feedings, you know, for a baby, for their feedings, just um, anything that would not create a strong connection with your child. So it sounds like this is really a combination of 
both uh, sort of more active, loving and nurturing um, versus more of sort of a hardline uh, approach towards parenting. But it also sounds like you're talking about more intuitive parenting. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, uh, as I said, we often are confused about our intuition, thinking that, well, we have to read a book or we have to get a scientific study before we can pick up our baby. And we're just saying to parents, if you have a strong feeling of what to do, then nine times out of ten, it's going to be the correct response. Elisa, I'm going to direct this to you. I'm just curious about, are you aware of any studies that have sort of compared the results uh, for parents out there that are interested in this, either parents-to-be perhaps or parents considering (laughs) being parents-to-be, of the the results of attachment-style parenting versus, say, you know, uh, tough love style parenting, for lack of a better term? Right. And that's one of the key things that we wanted to make sure we included in our new book, which is coming out January 09, called Attached at the Heart. And that was to include the latest research on what, what provides children with the optimal development. And so when we first started doing our, our own uh, investigative research about um, what's best for children, we learned about attachment theory and, and discovered that the research has been around for 50-plus years. And we were just kind of appalled that this research was not getting into the hands of parents. It wasn't getting into the popular parenting books. So we made sure that this information was in our book so that parents would know the truth and would be able to make informed decisions. Now, in terms of uh, specific research on attachment parenting, we don't have those, you know, a wealth of studies on that. But we're hoping through our book and through our organization that we'll start inspiring more researchers to pay attention to what attachment parents are doing with their children. And um, But what we have done is we've taken the eight principles uh, of attachment parenting, we're calling the eight, you know, eight principles of parenting, basically, um, from preparing for pregnancy, birth, and parenting, all the way to, you know, positive discipline, um, providing consistent care and balance in your fam- personal and family life. Each one of those principles, um, we even uh, included the research to go along with those. So for in- individually, we'd have the research, but as a collective, um, we don't have the research uh, for attachment parenting per se, but we do have attachment research, which is, is, a, is a critical key here. Mm-hmm. Now, taking us back a, a little bit to the beginning, tell us about, and I'll direct this to, to Lisa, um, why, when, and how did you first start API? What was the uh, sort of the seed event or inspiration there for you, and when did that happen? Well, it began, I, I suppose, the, the, when we had started having our children. Um, we have both had backgrounds in education. We were both special ed teachers, worked with children with learning disabilities and physical handicaps, and we thought we had a pretty good education um, in, in terms of uh, child development. But then when we had children, we realized we didn't know anything. So especially, uh, even though we were reading books, and those books were very helpful, we still felt like we needed support. So Barb and I met at a Lelechi League meeting. 
um, I was living in Nashville. She had just moved to Nashville and uh, was a what they call a leader applicant. And I was just a new mom with a six-month-old baby and, you know, just really just kind of stumbling my way along. So we, we latched on to each other because we had a lot in common. And um, it was through our experience with the Luchy League, and for the listeners who may not know what that is, that's a, a, an international um, organization that provides education and support for breastfeeding mothers. And... Um, and they also, at each local meeting, they'll have a lending library. So we started reading Dr. Sears' books and started reading about attachment parenting, which was just really starting to get going in the 80s. And I really was kind of unsure if this was the right way because it was so different than the way I was raised and what I had been taught in school. But we were able to watch, to witness uh, more experienced moms be so kind and respectful with their children and their children were, in turn, very kind and respectful and, and gentle, and uh, it, it really intrigued us. And, and just having the support of other mothers uh, was immensely helpful to us. Then um, I stayed out of work for a while, and then I went back to teaching and was kind of really um, dismayed by what I was seeing in, in older children and about that time, there were headlines in the paper almost on a daily basis about uh, increased violence among children against their parents, against other children. It just seemed like, you know, the world was going crazy. Um, and and even I was seeing this in my classroom, too. So Barbara and I started talking. I had moved away. I live in North Alabama. I, wa- I moved away, and she and I started talking, and... Um, we just felt like we really wanted to do something. We felt like attachment parenting was the answer to so many social ills. And what parents really needed was just some education and, and guidance and how to, to nurture their children. This is the most simple, cost-effective way to really help our communities, help families, communities, and society at large. So we just kind of started with that passion. We read a book called Children Without a Conscience. Um, oh, High Risk, sorry, High Risk, Children Without a Conscience by Ken McGid and Carol McElvey. And that was just the impetus that got us going. It was the first time we heard about attachment theory, and we just took it from there. We just had to form, you know, an organization that had parent support groups, uh, um, somewhat similar to the Lecce League, but we wanted, and we knew fathers wanted to be involved. So we thought we'll follow the Lelechi League model of, of mother-to-mother support, but um, have invite pair of both parents, fathers, mothers, and fathers. And um, so it just took off, and we built a website, and people started finding us from all over the world, and it's just taken off since since then. And we we're just really thrilled that so many parents find the support they need, which builds their confidence and confidence as parents. And have a lot of uh, fathers gotten involved in the organization? Yes. At one point, we had um, uh, one group back east. I can't think of the state. um, But there were five husband-wife couples who went through the leader accreditation program. In Nashville, we have a very active support group, and one of our leaders is is a dad. And... uh, there are a lot of fathers that go to that group, and Barbara, you may have more to speak about that, but 
it's it's just heartwarming for us to see how how involved dads really want to be and how nurturing they are. And I know that you have a former guest of this program uh, and a good friend of the show, Derek Markham, uh, is a writer for your blog. Uh, so I want to make a cross-reference to anybody who's interested in that perspective, the natural fatherhood perspective and attachment parenting perspective from the father's side. He's an excellent writer, blogger, and, and writes at the uh, attachmentparenting.org site under the uh, blog link. So you can look there, right. which is slash blog. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to direct a question to Barbara. Um, what are some of the bigger challenges that exist for parents today that are trying to put into practice these principles? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I was going to kind of piggyback on to what Lisa was saying about another book that was a profound influence on us was called For Your Own Good by Dr. Alice Miller. And she's a Swiss psychiatrist who really opened our eyes to societal influence on families. So to change a society again, you know, really has to come from the grassroots. It really has to be, you know, parents being more conscious, uh, conscious of their, um, of the society's beliefs and does that really resonate with what you want to do with your own children. And there again, having a support group is absolutely vital to change a culture because our culture, you know, tends to be very punitive, um, you know, most common form of punishment is, you know, uh, shaming our children or uh, putting them, you know, removing them from the family or even spanking and yelling at our children. So when you have that kind of a cultural overlay, it's a huge challenge because if I know from my own experience as a parent and Lisa too, that when our children were, were very small and we were coming from that culture, if we didn't spank them or get rough with them, you know, if we were in public or something and um, didn't show stern, punitive behavior, we felt like everyone was going to think we were a bad parent. So to change that paradigm in your own family takes a lot of courage sometimes, depending on the culture, you know, that you're you're in. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. And there, I have a good friend who's actually writing a book on this topic, and he talks about passing on the pain and that, that from an anthropological perspective, we are culturally, uh, genetically hardwired to pass on all aspects of what was given to us from our parents. And so that includes, you know, good things and bad things. Some people like to think, well, we just pass on the good, but, but actually what we do is, you know, and this is his thesis in the book is that, that we're passing on uh, painful things uh, as well because something in our, you know, we're hardwired in our lizard brain or wherever it is in, in our, in our makeup to pass on all of that as a preservation of our culture. Well, the, the exciting research from the anthropological point of view is looking at cultures that are more peaceful and more um, nonviolent in their approach. And what I think is affirming to that is, like you're saying, you know, whatever is modeled is what the children naturally do. But it's also exciting to see that we're not necessarily genetically programmed to be violent, that a lot of that is learned behavior. So it's a really a mixture of nature and nurture is what we're seeing, that that potential there for being nonviolent is just as much of a capacity in human nature as to be violent. 
So when we treat each other with empathy and when we can change the culture and definitely monitor what our children witness, you know, we can be kind and loving all day long, but if we're putting them in front of violent video games or, you know, they're being so desensitized by our culture, it's a huge challenge for parents. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk more about that uh, when we come back. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be back. My guests are Barbara Nicholson and Lisa Parker. They're the co-founders of Attachment Parenting International, an education and support organization for parents and professionals. And we'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. Thanks, everybody. back on Green Talk Radio. We're talking today on attachment parenting and natural parenting. My guests on that topic are Barbara Nicholson and Lisa Parker. They're the co-founders of Attachment Parenting International, or API, an education and support organization for parents and professionals. Barbara and Lisa, we were talking before the break about what really attachment parenting is, how you started the organization, and um, some of the basic fundamental principles around attachment parenting. I wanted to talk a little bit, and I'm going to direct this to you, Lisa. Um, in your view, what role, what exact and specific roles does attachment parenting play in, in the idea of advancing an overall healthier lifestyle for all of us and ultimately preserving our planet, as some people believe that this ultimately leads to? Well, I think the underlying principle is um, the golden rule, of treating our parent, our children with respect, um, the way we would want to be treated, um, to respect them as human beings, and showing them empathy. And by showing them empathy, they learn empathy. They learn to be empathic toward others, and um, and, and that includes our planet. That includes you know every living creature. Um, so this is a, a trickle down or trickle up effect of. You know, you tend to treat people the way you were treated. So we're hoping generation by generation, and we do not only hope, but we believe that this will happen in time that as we change the cycles of dysfunction with our families, that our children will be more empathic than we were, you know, and, and then their children will be a little more empathic than, than our children, and, and so it will go. And when children are treated with respect and compassion, um, they're certainly not going to be disrespectful to, to other living things. And so we, we definitely see that as um, an important part, an important role in improving our, our planet in, in a social, not only in a social way, but in an environmental way. How much of this, uh, or I should say the alternative philosophies, do you feel are driven by, for example, this idea of spare the rod and spoil the child? I mean, you know, I think a lot of people read those words and they believe in a literal interpretation or that, that that's important because, you know, it was written in the Bible and so therefore this is needs to be a foundation of parenting. How much of that do you feel is involved in this with people that are, are sort of struggling against that in terms of the disciplinary side of this? I, it's probably at least half the population, if not more, we we know from past surveys that clearly 80% or so of parents do use corporal punishment. Um, not all of that is uh, due to religious reasons. It could be, you know, handed down from, you know, that's the way they were parented, as you were talking about earlier. It certainly does have a 
a strong role in people's belief systems, but we're all, we also see um, that that there's a, a large segment of the Christian population that don't believe in spanking, that believe that it was a misinterpretation of the Bible, that the rod was actually a symbol of, for teaching, that for instance, you don't use the. They didn't use the rod to beat the sheep. They used the rod to guide the sheep. Oh, interesting. And so, so it's more of a, you know, metaphor for for guiding our children. And you know, discipline. The root word of discipline is disciple. And so, you know, it's to follow another's teaching. So we want our children to follow our teaching. We can. We can. Um, and we do that by being examples. Barbara, you can help me with that quote. It was all Albert Schweitzer said, three most important things that parents parent to do is be a good example. Number one is be a good example. Number, number two, two is be a good example. <laughs> and number three, and number three be a good example. Well, it's it's so, so true. I mean, really, I mean, it's it's that do as I say and not as I do Mm-hmm. conundrum that exists where it's not even really a conundrum. It's a hypocrisy that, that we somehow believe that if we, you know, educate with words and not action. Um, I, I, I am personally of the belief that children, we are hardwired as human beings to learn by that example more than anything else. And though the linguistic aspect of teaching, passing on information is certainly important that it's, we're literally modeling behavior and that it's reasonable to expect that whatever behavior is modeled is going to be carried forward in large degrees. Um, so at least that appeals, that makes sense to me, I, just intuitively. Um, Barbara, I wanted to ask you a question about the book and, and I know that you're covering this topic on the site as well. Um, and it's, I know the book is an in-depth look at, at parenting and also the roots of violence in society. Uh, are there practical tips in there for parents as well as all of that uh, that you can sort of take aways, as it were? Oh, yes. We're really proud of that. We feel like it's a pretty balanced um, book in the sense that we do have the background. We have the overview. We kind of give the big picture in the first chapter. And then the next eight chapters are the eight principles of parenting. So we give you, you know, we give parents the background, but also just many, many practical tips and excellent resources to really, you know, flesh out this topic would have been like an encyclopedia. So we wanted parents to um, to look at these eight principles and, you know, get the overview. And if any one of these was a particular hot button, say you feel like, well, I think I've got the nurturing down for the infant, but getting into toddler discipline is a real issue for me. Or maybe the parents have issues from their own childhood that they want to look at and they want, you know, a therapeutic approach. So who can I turn to? Who will understand these principles of attachment parenting? So we um, give wonderful resources, books, uh, websites, DVDs, we just feel like, you know, this is really giving a parent um, a wonderful tool to use and to even take to their pediatrician. For instance, we talk about how to safely sleep with your baby. And this is a big, you know, topic with, with parents now. They have a lot of misinformation and fears about things like SIDS or will I suffocate my baby if I sleep with my baby and as breastfeeding um, counselors, we knew that mothers who, you know, scoop their baby up at night and 
slept safely with their baby, that this really enhanced the breastfeeding relationship. So the key is how do you do this safely? How do you create a safe sleep environment? What are things that you need to watch for and never, you know, have a baby in bed with you if these risky behaviors are going on in your family? So we um, are really proud of the information that we're we're giving parents and the tools we're giving them to not only read themselves, but to share with their medical professionals or their families and friends. I'd like to leave listeners with some resources. So I'll put this out to both of you and you can answer as, as you wish in order here. But uh, where, where can people that are out there that are either interested, you know, parents-to-be or current parents go to learn more information about attachment parenting and API? I know there's the website, attachmentparenting.org. Um, how about, you know, things like finding support groups, books, things like that? Can you share anything along those lines? All of those things are available on our website. They, if they want to find a support group in their community, they can go to our website, click on the link that says support groups, and then we, and then there's another link to find a support group, and uh, you can find, hopefully find one in your area. And if not, um, they might consider becoming a support group leader, and there's a link for that. They can check out what it's means to um, be a leader and what the requirements are and that um, we have books and we have you know family law you know, we get a lot of questions a lot of e- emails from parents going through divorce or custody situations and they want don't want to interrupt the attachment process with their children how do they do it that's a that's a huge thing but um, we have a lot of very interesting uh, resources and as Barbara was saying too about safe sleep, we are launching a safe sleep campaign so pe- parents will be able to download a beautifully designed brochure with co-sleeping uh, tips on it, safe co-sleeping tips, uh, and uh, even professionals and uh, such as uh, people who are you know investigating um, co-sleeping deaths. Uh, Investigative reporters will be able to access a questionnaire, so it will help them in their investigation. So we're trying to be more proactive. It is a website for parents and professionals, so we, we're trying to get this message out about the importance of attachment and, and the principles that we have developed. Thanks to the, the Sears, they started off with the baby bees, um, and they they are the the pioneers in attachment parenting. We have taken those baby bees and, and expanded them to become principals. Um, and so we do have a lot of information on our website about that. Great. Well, I want to thank both of you for the great work that you're doing with the organization and, and the website. Um, certainly wish you much success with the upcoming book. It's very important work. It's a critical topic, in, in my view, uh, for, for humanity in general and not just a, uh, about uh, parenting and ultimately, I think, the, uh, the world at large. So I uh, want to thank you and thank you also for being on the program with us today and sharing all the information. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. It was wonderful. We really appreciate it. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com.
Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.